Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Give me liberty or give me death. That's the legendary line, right? Give me liberty or give me death. The Founding Fathers. John Hancock. Signing his big old John Hancock. And now, in college football, it's changed to give me liberty or Coastal Carolina. <laughs> if you're BYU, you'll play either one. It looks like Liberty's not going to be able to go. It looks like Liberty's got too many positive tests. An 18th-ranked Coastal Carolina, undefeated, leading the Sun Belt Conference. Uh, maybe hosting BYU. They're already hosting game day. And game day could show up. There'd be no game. I don't think that'll happen. I think... Uh, I think from all indications, Liberty's probably going to have to shut it down. They don't want to give up this big game, but they're losing most of their defensive coaches and their starting quarterback, and who knows who else, right? What more bad news is right around the corner? So 18th-ranked Coastal Carolina, 13th-ranked BYU. Game day is there. Sign me up. This would be the weirdest game day ever. They've been prepping. <laughs> They've been prepping all week for one game. And whoops, they're going to get a different game. Hopefully. It'd be a good test for BYU. And I don't think it's a slam dunk. Uh, do I think BYU should be favored? Sure. Uh, but we got to be careful that we don't say stuff about Coastal Carolina when we get mad when the same people say that about undefeated BYU. Or back in 2008, they said it about undefeated Utah. Ah, you're no good. Hey, wait a minute. We haven't lost yet. Wait for us to lose before you say we're no good. Well, why don't we wait for Coastal Carolina to lose before we say they're no good? Yes, there's a lot of teams on there that don't look very good, right? They beat Texas State. They beat Georgia Southern. But there's two games to pay attention to, and you got to follow the thread. Uh, they did schedule a money game, go on the road, and play a Big 12 team, bottom of the Big 12, Kansas, and they beat them. Also, they beat Louisiana, which is critical because Louisiana scheduled a money game, went to Iowa State and beat Iowa State. And now Iowa State's nationally ranked. Iowa State is in front of BYU, and Iowa State looks like they're going to be in the Big 12 title game, probably playing Oklahoma. Now, Iowa State got beat by Louisiana at home, and then Louisiana hosted Coastal Carolina, and Coastal Carolina went to Louisiana and won. So they've got a quality win over a team that's also got a quality win. And BYU needs to tap into that. And BYU needs to go win this game. Was the preparation odd? Yes. Uh, I assume on Wednesday they were running around looking for video clips, trying to figure out, okay, who's the worst corner on their team? Who do we need to throw at? Who do we need to make sure we know where he is? And just get some of the basics down, you know? And what kind of trick plays are they likely to pull? Um, is one side of their defensive line worse than the other? And we want to make sure we run at that side. Um, they just, they just got to get some of the basics and throw it together real quick. There's not a lot of time for a game plan. But it's 2020, and if you get a chance to play a nationally ranked undefeated team, you better take it. Now, I know at one point, BYU fans were getting all excited about playing Alabama. Well, you didn't get to play Alabama, and there's nothing you can do about it. But it looks like Coastal Carolina is going to be free. It's not 100%, but it seems really close. And you can't say no. I mean, if you say no, you're going to get beat up Washington. What Washington was, times a thousand. So it won't be a lot of prep time. You just have to go and make it happen. Trust in your quarterback, who's probably headed to the NFL. Trust in your big play wide receivers, your young tight ends, and that that line is going to go in there and control the line of scrimmage. And that the defense is going to make plays. They're not going to miss tackles. They're going to force some, some takeaways. And they're going to beat a good team. Coastal Carolina, as much as BYU is fired up for this game and its opportunity, you got to figure Coastal Carolina is fired up too. Um, I think Liberty's only got, what, one loss right now? This is going to be a big game. That's why game day was going to be there. Um, so they were fired up for one big opponent. They'll have 
just as little prep time and have to, you know, turn on a dime the same way BYU does. So it's intriguing. I hope it happens. I think it's going to happen. It's not official yet. Hopefully it'll be official soon. Um, if BYU gets the win, you know, that's a win over a ranked team. It's a, it's, it's not that I said Coastal Carolina is a top 20 team. It's not that you did. It's not that Tom Homo did. It's not that Kalani Sataki did. Uh, you know, the college football playoff committee said Coastal Carolina is 18. They're the one who put them in the top 20. They put them at 18. So if you get a win, it'd be a big deal. If you get a loss, well, then it's a big deal to Coastal Carolina. (laughs) And they'll see how far they can hop up in the rankings and see what they can get out of it. So uh, I'm intrigued. It should be a good game. And we got a shortage of games. Uh, Maryland and Michigan's not happening. Boise State. And UNLV is not happening. And the Vegas Bowl isn't happening. Houston SMU isn't happening. And who else? Who else is going to get wiped off the map between now and kickoff on Saturday? Well, in the case of Boise UNLV, it was Friday. Um, you know, if BYU can get a game with an undefeated team, that's a win. And still hold hope that they can get another good game out there on the 19th. Um, could one of these cost you a spot in the New Year's Six? Yeah. But there's no guarantee you're getting into the New Year's Six. So if you've got a chance to play a big game now, you might as well play it. It could cost you one down the line, but you know what? There might not be one down the line anyway. So play it. Uh, I hope it works out. Uh, we'll have more as the morning goes along. DJ and PK, uh, this is 97.5. And 1280 The Zone. We'll keep you up to speed on this. Maybe we'll get an official announcement during the show. We'll have to see how this plays out. See if Liberty officially shuts it down. And then BYU and Coastal Carolina are going to be 100% a go. And because that stuff's happening back east, you know, it's a little after 8 a.m. back there. Maybe something will happen in the next hour or two. We'll just have to see how it plays out. All right, let's start with the Jazz. Uh, Rudy Gobert has had his first media availability of the year. Where does his contract negotiation sit? Uh, is he going to get the Supermax? Is he going to sign for the Supermax? Should Jazz fans worry about him leaving? Uh, just one of the line of questionings Rudy faces as the season begins. Here's Rudy. Hey, Rudy. Uh, just wanted, obviously, you know, the, the, the big question is the extension conversations uh, with, uh, with the team. How have those gone? How are those going? And what's your approach to them um, and kind of staying with the Jazz as, and for the long term? Uh, my approach is still the same. You know, it's uh, my, my goal is to win a championship here. Uh, it's been my goal since I got here and uh, still the same. You know, I'm focused on the upcoming season and uh, and I'm excited. And uh, about the negotiation talk, um, that's why I have an agent, you know, so I can focus on basketball and, uh, and uh, let him take, take care of that. Next, we'll go to uh, Ryan Miller, KSL. Hey, Rudy, I just want to know your thoughts on Derek Favors coming back. How excited are you? I'm very excited. You know, uh, we all missed him last year and be able to have him come back, uh, it's just, uh, it's just great. And I know that, you know, all of us are excited and, uh, him also. Uh, next up, we'll go Ben Anderson, kslsports.com. Rudy, just how the season ended last year, going into the off season after the bubble, how do you feel about coming back and getting a fresh start? I'm excited. You know, obviously, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, unknown about what's going to happen this year with the, with the virus. But uh, at the same time, you know, it's exciting to just to be able to, to play the game we love and uh, 
and uh, and to start a new year. You know, the goal remains the same, and uh, uh, it's exciting. Uh, next, we'll go Sarah Todd, Desert News. Rudy, when we were talking to Dennis and Justin, they mentioned that um, sort of the matchups that stuck in their mind where you could see sort of the flaws of the team was when you guys went against sort of big, big matchups like L.A. And I'm wondering how you saw those and the difficulties that those kind of matchups gave you guys and how that changes now with Fave back in the mix. I would say I agree. You know, overall, uh, we, we could feel that sometimes we needed we lacked a little bit of size and uh, in a game of basketball, size is very important. And Derek is a very good defender. And, you know, just being, uh, I think being used to having him for the last, uh, for the previous six years and we felt the drop, you know, we felt the drop and, uh, and we missed his presence. And I, I believe that having somebody defend a defensive-minded guy back, and not only that, having Derek Fellows back is uh, uh, is fixing uh, a lot of problems. Next up is uh, Tony Jones, the Athletic. Um, what do you have to do to take the next step individually in your game? Is it is it adding a skill, a certain skill set, or is it just you know just kind of honing what you what you have? There is always room to to grow and to get better, and I feel like I haven't scratched my potential. You know, I, I feel like every year since I got here, I've got better, and uh, I feel like this year is going to be my best year so far. You know, I've put a lot of work in to to improve, and uh, I think that you know, with me improving, and uh, of course all the other guys and, and Donovan improving, um, you know, our, our team. Uh, can take the step that we need to take and that's the goal. Next we'll go Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Hey Rudy, the Jazz drafted a guy who has a very similar skill set to you. Uh, I don't know if you've seen uh, Udoka yet play, but what, what's that like trying to be a traditional big man in today's NBA and what kind of advice do you plan on giving him? Uh, what is it like? I mean, everyone's different, you know, everyone, uh, everyone tries to win and tries to help his team win. You know, there's uh, uh, a lot of different styles, you know, obviously I, I didn't know about him before the draft because I don't watch any college, but uh, I watched uh, some of his highlights and stuff after I got drafted and, uh, and uh, I'm excited. You know, I think he has uh, a lot of potential and it's great to have a, you know, a young, a young kid coming in that's that's hungry and uh, and that I believe can uh, gonna gonna help us this year. Great. Next question, we go to Jake Edmonds, KUTV. Hey, Rudy. Uh, with Boyan, you know, nearing the end of his recovery from his injury, what was missed the most with him not being in the bubble, you know, both on and off the court, and what kind of impact do you expect to have from him this season? I mean, Boyan is a, he's a very good basketball player. So, you know, uh, he's a great three-point shooter. He's a, he can create, uh, you know, he can, uh, yeah, he's just a, a great scorer. And, 
especially in, in clutch situations too. So of course, you know, when you don't have that, that guy in a, in a lot of close games in the playoffs, it, it does make a difference. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm excited to uh, get him back. You know, I think he's going to be a, he's going to be a, a big plus for us. Like he's been, like he's been all year last year. Next we'll go Niall Campbell, utahjazz.com. Hey, Rudy. Um, so going back to Udoka, uh, when he was drafted, he spoke really highly of you. Uh, you were one of the first people that he got on the call and just talking about how excited he was to be able to sit back and just learn from you. So going into the season, you mentioned, you know, to having somebody that's hungry. Um, how does it feel as a veteran to be able to kind of like take these rookies in, especially with the challenge of them not having a true um, three-month-long experience, summer league, all of that? It's exciting, you know. Uh, I mean, it's humbling to to have young guys coming in. It makes me feel old at the same time. But having young guys coming in and uh, being, you know, when I when I, I texted him and the first thing he said was, "He's excited to learn from me." And uh, you know, it's uh, it's amazing, you know, to have young 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 men coming in and that are willing to to learn from uh, from us and uh, from. Uh, our experience, uh, I think it shows a lot about who he is uh, as a person, and uh, it, it's very uh, encouraging. You know, when you have that mindset, usually uh, good things will happen. And I'm excited to to get to work and uh, and uh, and uh, hopefully teach him uh, as much as I can. Great. We'll go to uh, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Rudy. It's good to see you. Um, so. You. You had mentioned earlier that, you know, you're trying to come in every year with something new to your game, that you're, that you're trying to constantly improve. Uh, we saw the Instagram video of you the other day shooting jumpers in your workouts. What other kinds of things are you trying to bring to your game this year? And also, what does the team need to bring differently this year to take that next step? Uh so for the first question, uh, you know, being, uh, I would say better defensively and offensively, but offensively, I think I can be uh, better at attacking my man, you know, being able to, uh, to put even more pressure on, uh, on the rim and, uh, on, and on, on the defense, you know, finish at the rim, uh, being able to knock down the, the mid range, you know, is something that I've been working on for many years. And uh, I think now is uh, it's time to put to use, you know, and uh, just other things that I think can really help the team uh, take another step, being a better passer, being stronger with the ball, all those things, you know, it's things that I think I've got better at it over the years, but uh, I think there's so much more room for myself to, to grow that uh, I just keep working and working. And, you know, every year I'm getting more and more comfortable. We have a defense. You know, I think defensively we can. Uh, um, I think if we're able to to be a, the goal is for us to be the best defensive team in the league, and I'm hundred percent sure that if we focus on being that, we're going to be great offensively too, and uh, we're definitely going to be one of the best teams in the in the league. Sorry, we didn't mean to cut you off there. We'll have a follow up from Sarah Todd Deseret News. Kind of going off what you just said, Rudy, um, there, you know, there's been a lot of changes over in the last few days in free agency was, you know, just last night, it feels like, 
Um, so how do you feel like you guys stack up against maybe the other best teams in the West? Obviously the Lakers are the team to beat. So was Boyan coming back healthy and having Fave put you up there? I'm 100% confident in our team. You know, uh, obviously you always look uh, at what other teams does and, and all that, but I believe that uh, we got our destiny in our hands and uh, we got all the weapons that we need to, to be the best team that we can be. And I believe that we have all the weapons that we need to, to achieve our goal, which is winning a championship. Now it's on us to, you know, uh, um, come in, start the, have a great start of the season uh, and just like we've done, you know, all the time, just try to get better and get better and get better through the year. And uh, when it's playoff time, be ready to, you know, to beat anyone that's going to be in front of us. All right, Rudy, looks like we have one last question from Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Rudy, I, you know, the coaching staff has kind of changed a lot this offseason. Uh, Ghana, gone. Tony, gone. I know, you know, guys you've worked with. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what those guys did for you in your career? Um, obviously, you work with Alex, but uh, and then also, have you been able to work with any of the new coaching staff members yet and kind of your your impressions? And we're going to miss them. You know, Ghana is, uh, is one of the guys that I really appreciate. You know, he's a uh, Speaks French too, so you know it's a he's a great guy, uh, you know, a great presence. Uh, definitely gonna miss him, but uh, I wish him the best. You know, I'm excited for his opportunity, and uh, you know, and I'm uh, gonna stay stay in touch anyway. But yeah, you know, it's it's always tough. Uh, every year, you know, you 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 lose some some friends, some teammates, some coaches that you, some people that you. You know, we we see we see each other every day. You know, you know, you get you get used to to people, and but at the same time, you're aware that you know it's a, it's also a business, and uh, and also people are gonna have you know most sometimes better opportunities somewhere else, and and at the same time, it's a, it's a good sign. You know, when when uh, when someone that that was with us is able to get a a better opportunity somewhere else, it shows that uh, our organization is uh, highly valued and. Uh, and it's always exciting for them. You know, it, it, it's great to see people succeed and uh, and uh, and achieve their goals. Have you worked with any of the new guys yet? Uh, not because we're only allowed to work with one coach at a time now. So, so the, still the same for me, still Alex. There's Rudy Gobert with the media. His goal is to win a championship here. So short answer, take less money and they'll have more money to build a team around you. Easy for me to say, I'm not the one giving up the money. But we saw Tim Duncan do it in San Antonio. We saw Tom Brady do it in New England. In a salary cap sport, we know how this is done. So I assume we have to let the process work out here, and there'll just be some back and forth and some offers and counter offers, and they'll want to keep it all quiet. And as long as it ends up with Rudy uh, signing, and right now I would say, having just heard that, that you know your level of confidence on him signing ought to go up. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk some BYU football. David Nixon on the way, talking BYU football and where things stand after all the rankings come out. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go.
Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We had David Nixon, former BYU linebacker, BYU TV personality on, and he's going to drop some references here uh, to Wednesday because it was later in yesterday's show. But for you early risers, his take on where negotiations stand. The one thing I'll tell you that I've heard, um, and uh, this is actually Hans Olsen, give him full credit for this is that, uh, and, and David's going to talk about all the, the 10 things they're reaching out to and, and hands second and all of that. And uh, hands, the former Cougar lineman says that they will play on a last second arrangement. They'll, they'll, they'll find out Friday morning, get on a plane Friday afternoon and play Saturday. BYU is very aggressive about scheduling this week. So it ain't over till it's over people. Uh, that's the word from hands. Uh, here's David Nixon. David, good morning. What is going on, guys? Well, that is what I want to ask you, because, you know, before news breaks officially, you can sometimes hear things unofficially. You know, there's a few whispers before people start shouting. Just wondering if you're hearing anything about potential games or if it's totally quiet, news blackout, nothing cooking. It's a little bit of both. Uh, You know, obviously no games been announced, not a lot of rumblings. But what I do know is that Tom Homo sent out uh, 10 plus contracts to teams and, and nobody's willing to play us. So um, he's trying and, and you feel for him. This is a hard time in the season to try to pick up games when, you know, people are still dealing with COVID. Others are trying to protect their, their records and uh, it's, just, it's just a big mess out there. So he's trying. It's not like he's sitting on the sidelines just tooling his thumbs. He's out there trying to pick up games, but nobody's willing to play BYU. So. Uh, we'll see if, if there's a late cancellation that BYU could pick up late this week. But as we sit today on Wednesday, it's looking like BYU probably won't have a game this Saturday. So we've seen over the years that teams and coaches have politicked to get themselves in, whether it was the BCS Bowl games or now the New Year's Six. You know, they didn't win their conference or whatever it might be, but they still went to town to campaign. Do you think that the Cougars – a will, which probably is no, they won't. But should they then, if it comes out they beat Santa State and they don't get anybody to bite and play them, do you think at that point they because they could have a week uh, at least before the season ends and the committee meets to put out its final rankings? If they don't play that final week, they would have played the week before. So if they go 10-0 and zero and they don't get any takers, spend that week then campaigning. Hey, listen, man, we did everything we could and teams wouldn't play us. What do you want us to do? We were willing, but nobody would play us. Spend that time uh, campaigning then. Put the word out there. 100%. I mean, what do you have to lose, right? I mean, if you're, if you're Tom Hobo and you're colliding and you're going on air and going on record and saying, we tried to play people, but they wouldn't play us, and what is there to lose? Uh, especially if you're not calling specific teams out. But uh, but right. to that point, listen, yeah, we still have two or three more weeks of the season left, um, especially with cancellations. They might try to make them up later. Uh, you know, uh, there's still lots to be played out here. I know BYU fans are thrilled the number 13 ranking, uh, but then you start to go down the list and the teams in front of BYU and who they still have to play. I mean, for example, Indiana has to play Wisconsin this week without Indiana's quarterback, their star quarterback, who's now out for the season. Uh, and so, you know, that's most likely a loss. So all of a sudden they drop. Um, and then you just keep going down from I mean, uh, Miami's got to play North Carolina here in a, a week or two. I think it's next week. Uh, they play Duke this week. 
And North Carolina is ranked 17th, right? So there's a potential loss. And so there's going to be some teams that lose in front of UAU. And that's what Barta said, uh, the college football playoff committee chair, said yesterday. Uh, if, you, if you notice, he, he said, listen, really the only way for BYU to move up is if they play somebody worth anything. Uh, or two, you just got to hope for teams are afraid to lose. And I'm on the, uh, the optimistic side that I think there's going to be some of these teams in front of BYU that are going to lose, like we saw um, this past week with, uh, with the Northwestern loss and then drop below BYU. So there's still a lot of reshuffle to go. I know it feels like two or three weeks isn't that long to determine the season, but as we've seen, uh, I mean, things move quickly with college football. And uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these teams in front of BYU take an L and, and BYU just kind of slowly moves up. And somehow this is in that top ten. I mean, it's only three spots away. But, uh, but in the meantime, it's painful. I mean, it is. It's almost like every Tuesday, Dewey fans have to relive this whole ranking thing. It's like ripping the band-aid off every time, every Tuesday at 5 o'clock and seeing where that BYU's not moving much, uh, despite what the national media is saying. I mean, you, you've seen the ESPN guys go on record, and they're vouching for BYU, saying they should be you know, ranked much higher. But obviously the committee doesn't see it that way. But, uh, you know, BYU just sits right now. You take care of business against San Diego State. Uh, you go out there and campaign a little bit, and you hope some teams are playing lose, and hopefully you find yourself in the top ten here in the next three weeks or so. Okay. Man, I, I got, like, multiple things to say off that answer, but let's just start with this one. I think they should campaign, and they've got a relationship with ESPN, and you can literally – they don't even want you to fly to Bristol, right? They, they want to uplink you from BYU TV. So that Tom Homo, at, at most he's got to walk across a parking lot or down a flight of stairs. I mean, they will – you're right there. But I just can't see him doing multiple live shots with uh, Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter and with Stephen A. Smith on, on uh, Take Two. I mean – I, I just I just can't see it. Well, here here's here's my thing. I think Tom, with this being kind of real, I'm, last week Thanksgiving was a mess because the players were leaving and they pretty much figured they're gonna have a week off. So this is really Tom's first week to really try to put a game together. Now, obviously, it's not looking great right now, but at least he's doing the work. And so now, when he does go campaign, he's not lying on on you know with in front of a national audience with the media and saying, hey, we can you know we tried to make it work, we could make it work. No, he's actually putting the work this week, and so now he's got. Uh, evidence that he went out there and tried to get games and obviously he couldn't. And so now he can go to the media and, um, you know, vouch for that. So, uh, yeah, I, I get it. I think, listen, this year with, with how big these payouts are in the New Year's Six, and, and as we've seen, BYU's in a shortfall of $20 million, uh, they understand what's at risk and what's at stake. And I, I, can, I can assure you they're going to probably try to do everything possible. Now, granted, obviously it's not BYU's, uh, kind of objective and goal to go out there and campaign for themselves is just not kind of in their nature. It's not in Tom's nature. Right. But but with everything at risk and with the money at play uh, and with the team that Billy's put together this year, I, I could see them really making a push here in the next few weeks. But but once again, you've got to put in the work now. So when you do go in front of the in front of the media, uh, you're telling the truth and saying, yeah, we really did try to sign up ten plus teams and nobody would play us. It was you know we, we did our we did our side of the bargain. Now you try to reward us for our at least our attempt. So 10-plus years ago when BYU went to go independent, the big thing was exposure. If you use that as the barometer, then could you argue this season already has been a smashing success because the exposure they got with all the ESPN and Urban Meyer on Fox and various media all over the place campaigning for them, it seems like BYU has never been talked about more. 100%. And we've always said that with independence, right? I mean, you have to win in independence to get the exposure and to be relevant. And, and BYU, 
back when you had Taysom and Jamal early, uh, you know, in during Kalani's era last year, uh, you know, that was a dynamic duo. Obviously, the, you know, the ball didn't roll their way in a certain game, so they weren't as relevant. Um, but when you're independent and you're playing on ESPN every week and you're winning and you're now ranked, uh, it, it, it goes to plan. And that's exactly what you want to see with independent. And, and li- listen, you guys are probably missing on your show, but look at the recruiting. I mean, BYU would have picked up uh, DeMuni and Logan Fado from Tempview, two big recruits. And we're able to kind of lock them down. And I think you're starting to see a little bit of this wave of, of kids taking note and, uh, you know, also seeing Kalani and, and how lively he's been this season. I mean, it's been fun on our BOE TV postgame uh, when we interview him after games. And you can tell the guy's just – he's loving life. Uh, and I think it's, he, he's created that culture within the program where everyone's bought in. Uh, and, and when you have that type of culture, then that's a winning culture. And people would love to come to work, right? The players love to come to practice. Uh, because you, you not only are you winning, but you also have that culture you build. So um, it's contagious, and it's fun to watch, you know, this, this current team, but also watch the recruits starting to catch on, and and hopefully you can kind of ride this wave of momentum. Obviously, it helps to have a, a quarterback like Zach Wilson, and most likely he goes pro. But um, you know, th- this is what you try to build upon, where you've got guys in the wings waiting to take over the guys that leave spot and uh, have them prepared, and you kind of build that program and just keep riding that success. So uh, I'm I'm totally with PK on the exposure thing. If you're if BYU is in a conference, they're not playing Navy in the only game on Labor Day night. You know that that game can only happen because you're independent. If you'd been in the Mountain West or if you're in the Pac-12, the leagues are shut down and you're not playing. So there's a huge benefit there. Now the other thing that happens as an independent is you don't play on the conference title weekend, and BYU should catch the loser of the Big 12 title game. I think that's going to be Iowa State, Oklahoma. So they pick up a spot there. But Oklahoma State's at 15, and presumably they won in the New Year's Six and need a big-time win to, to climb. I'm wondering if BYU could get a game with them or a team like Texas A&M that is fifth and probably wants to be in the top four and might need one more win to make their case, You know, depending on how the Notre Dame-Clemson game plays out in the ACC title game. Do you think there's any chance to get any of those teams? Are you hear anything about that? Is Tom working those angles? Or you don't know? You know, I haven't heard anything about those days, but I've had the exact same thought. I mean, if there's any year where you obviously you can go schedule a game the week of or shoot three days before, uh, then it's this year. And, uh, yeah, if you're the Big 12, if you're the ACC, any of these teams that you've got a team on the fringe or within, like, you know, the 15 to maybe 18 spot, and you want to try and improve their, their ranking to try to give in at that large bid, then, yeah, why not take on BYU? And, of course, as a, as a BYU fan, you, you understand you've got to strengthen your schedule so you'll play anybody. Um, so I agree. I, I thought the same thing. Why not let this kind of play out? And all of a sudden, the teams that aren't in the championship game or that lose, you try sneaking one last game before the committee makes their minds up. So um, I think, listen, I think that's the reason this year is kind of frustrating for BYU fans is because any other year, it's like, hey, the schedule's set. Yeah, I mean, you can't really do anything about the schedule. We can't go schedule people the week of. Um, and I think people are content with that. But but now Monday, Tuesday rolls around of any given week and. And BYU fans are on eggshells, refreshing Twitter every 20 seconds, wondering, <laughs> hey, is, is, there, is there some type of announcement out there? Did Tom Homo schedule a game? And it's just, I think it almost is more painful in that sense because you're just on, uh, you know, just sitting on the edge of your seat trying to see if, if you can schedule some type of game that week. So, um, you know, it is what it is, but I, I can't confirm that Tom has sent out contracts to over 10 plus teams and, and just nobody's willing to step up to the plate right now, which. I mean, I can only understand how frustrating it would be for Tom. And, and not only for Tom, but Kalani and these players, right? I mean, this is a team that's, that's felt like they've been slapped in the face a little bit with this ranking. I mean, they're, they're number eight in both polls 
with with everyone else across the country, and all of a sudden they find themselves five spots back with these, you know, this committee per se. And so I think these guys want to get back on the field ASAP to prove that they're worthy of a top ten ranking. But uh, obviously, it's tough to do that when nobody else will step up to the plate and play it. So they do have San Jose State next week. Uh, assume they win, they go ten and zero, and then we'll see about the bowl. And just for sake of argument, that the committee doesn't really budge them enough to move into this New Year's Day six. And so the New Year's Day six has become the ultimate goal here for the next few weeks. With that in mind, if that is really the endpoint that you want. Well, I mean, I'm not sure that it is, but it's here now and you want it. But if you want it all the time or have the opportunity to be it all the time and you don't get it now, when are you ever going to get it? So brings up the question, should they consider the Mountain West or AAC? Because then they can get an automatic bid if they run the table and take care of business. Yeah, I mean, there'll be a good case study, right? If, if you can't get into year six as an independent at 10-0, um, but you could have as a, as a G5 winner, uh, then maybe, yeah, it, it begs the question of whether you go back. I mean, listen, I've been on record that you've got to stay independent. I mean, if, if for recruiting purposes alone, if Collie goes into Raider DeMuni and, and Logan Fano's homes and says, hey, we're in the Mountain West, but we're, you know, year in and year out, we're at the top and, and we're winning the Mountain West to come play for us. And also the next day, uh, you've got Kyle Whittingham goes in the same homes and says, look, we're the Pac-12, come play for us. I mean, it's a no-brainer at that point, right? At least Kalani at this point has a little bit of a pitch when he goes in those kids' homes and says, listen, yeah, we're not in a conference. We're not buying for a conference championship, but we are playing on ESPN and, and ABC primetime uh, every week. And, and, and your parents, your family, everyone across the country can see you. And, and, oh, wait, we're also playing in NFL stadiums as we see BYU kicking off against Arizona next year. They played in FedEx Stadium. They played in you know, uh, the Patriots Stadium all over the place. Uh, and, and so there's, there's a little bit of a lure there, a little bit of pitch that you can give. But the second you go to Mountain West, there's not much of a pitch. I mean, you're, you're, you're trying to compete with the Pac-12, and obviously uh, it is what it is. So, you know, I, I'm a firm believer you got to stay independent. But, but to your point, listen, if they, if they can't get in the New Year's Six this year, undefeated with the players they have, with the Heisman hopeful, all the hype that's been around them, yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, know, I don't know really when you could make it into the New Year's Six. Um, and, so, and so you've got to probably open your eyes a little bit and look at the AAC option or – Look at some type of hybrid with the Mountain West where at least you still maybe have your same TV contract, but you can still play, you know, you still play within the conference. You know, I, there might be some arrangement there, but, um, yeah, it's just a, uh, it's just a tough year. And it, I think that's the bummer. And we've, we've talked about this as well, right? This, this BOU team, it would have been so fun to see them stack up against this, the original schedule. And not only the original schedule, but the teams haven't turned out to be, you know, Minnesota hasn't turned out to be the Minnesota that we thought they'd be. Um, and, and, of course, the youth are now in a rebuilding year. Uh, and, and you've got, you know, the teams of Michigan State's not near as good as, as you know, they, they have in the past. And so, I don't know. I mean, it would be, it would be an interesting schedule to see them play out. But, uh, obviously, it is what it is, and we're at where we're at right now. But um, fingers crossed that things kind of play out. I'm still optimistic. I'm still optimistic the teams are fun. will fall. They'll, they'll, uh, they'll tumble, and, and BYU will find themselves in the top ten. But if they don't and they find themselves, I think Brett McMurphy put out the uh, – the bowl projection is, I think it was BYU, like in the New Mexico Bowl or something against San Jose State. I mean, what a disappointment, right? Um, <laughs> and and uh, that, that'd be a huge letdown. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. It's college football. You just kind of stock it up to a crazy COVID year and move on. The New Mexico Bowl in uh, suburban Dallas in Frisco. So, really, if you're going to play San Jose, yeah, there's, there's got to be a high school field in Elko. Just meet them there. 
Yeah, it all makes sense. This Halfway year, there. Yeah. New Mexico Bowls and Florida or Dallas, <laughs> wherever you want to put it. Throw, throw it anywhere you want. So uh, the question of the day for us has been, uh, of the teams in front of BYU, how many of them could BYU beat? You watch some of these teams, you're watching football on a Saturday, do you look at some of them and think, definitely win, definitely lose, I don't know, feels like a toss-up? You know, uh, I'm looking at it right now. I, I think Oklahoma's playing solid right now. They took a couple L's early in the season, but uh, Indiana, without their quarterback, I think they're obviously very beatable. Even at Georgia, actually. Georgia, uh, their best win against an Auburn team is 5-3. I mean, yeah. it, uh, they're, they're Georgia, don't get me wrong, but and they've got, they got a good defense. But at the end of the day, they haven't been that impressive this year. Then, um, of course, Iowa State, you, we, that's been well documented their first game of the year losing to Louisiana. So, I, I think listen, I think this is the BYU team that, um, you know, as we see, if they come out focused, they can put up points in a hurry against a team like Boise State, and we saw in the second half against Houston. And so, yeah, when you, when you have an explosive offense like BYU has, you can really hang with anybody in the country. Uh, and, then, and then, frankly, you have a, a defense uh, that BYU has. That, listen, they, they tended to kind of bend. They don't quite break. Um, uh, but then they've also stepped up to create turnovers, and, and they are a defense that flies around and makes plays. Uh, and you kind of add all that together. And then in special teams, you've got Jake Olroy, who still hasn't missed a field goal this season. Uh, and so you, you've got this combination of a team that uh, I think they can wreak some havoc, especially on all these teams in front of them. So, you know, I, I don't think those, those top four, I think BYU would struggle with, even the top five, frankly, a and uh, and on, uh, but anybody below there, Cincinnati, Georgia, Iowa State, Miami, Oklahoma, and Indiana, I, I don't see why BYU wouldn't be favored or uh, at least have a really good shot against those teams. And I think that's the frustrating part, right? Once again, BYU up in the face of the ranking, and there's zero way they can go out there and prove it right now. And BYU trying desperately to prove it, and you can't have anybody step up to the plate. So it's, uh, it's, it's a frustrating time, I think, for not only Tom Homo and Kalani and the team, but for fans also. Well, David, we appreciate a few minutes as always. Thanks for joining us, and we will uh, talk to you next week, and I think we will just have the uh, image of people hitting refresh on Twitter every 20 seconds uh, stuck in our mind now. Yeah, let's, let's root for the teams in front of BYU to lose this week so they keep climbing the polls. How about that? Thanks, David. Okay, thanks, guys. There's David Nixon, BYU linebacker, BYU, well, former linebacker, and now on BYU TV. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Riley Jensen, our college insider, talking high school recruiting, college recruiting, talking Utes, Cougars, and Aggies, all in one segment. Next, stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. All right, DJ and PK, time to welcome in Riley Jensen, our college football insider. Riley, good morning. What's happening, guys? It's all about the Cougars in the New Year Six, 13th now, up from 14th. Are they being treated fairly? Will anybody play them on December 19th when a lot of teams will be idle? Because there'll be some teams in conference title games, but there'll be some uh, there'll be some teams available. What do you think? Where's this headed? Um, I I personally feel like this is headed in the wrong direction. Now that's just a gut feeling. Um, I don't think it's right. 
I think it's. I, I think this is a very good football team, and really, when you when you think about this, and you start thinking about the reasons that they're holding this against BYU for strength of schedule, they couldn't do anything about that. They couldn't do anything about that, and I just don't think that a New Year's Six Bowl cost them that much cachet with BYU, nor does it cost them gate or eyeballs, as BYU has, you know, eyeballs around the country, to put them in a New Year's Six Bowl to kind of to kind of put a cherry on top of this season for BYU. I just don't understand the thoughts and the hopes of of keeping them out. I, I don't get it. it. It feels different to me than it does with other teams. It feels like every other team's getting every opportunity to get in into that scenario that's similar to BYU, and that BYU's having everything used against them to keep them out. So we had on David Nixon, a former BYU linebacker, does media work for BYU Television. He was talking about how uh, this exposure that they've gotten right now has been pretty good, and it's helped recruiting, and he, rec- he uh, referenced a kid at Tempview that uh, committed here uh, over the weekend, I guess, uh, a defensive player. Uh, my thought for you, since you're involved in this, is how much does the immediate success play into what kids decide ultimately about where they want to play? Well, I think I think any success right now on a, on a national level for BYU is helpful. So just the fact that they're being talked about, whether it's good or bad, what's the old you know PT Barnum Bailey quote? I don't I don't care what you say about me. Just make sure you spell my name right. I think I think the publicity for BYU is all good right now. Whether it's oh they shouldn't be in, they should be in, all those sorts of things. And you have to remember, you know, when I'm working with college athletes, a lot of them are, are born in in 2002, right? 2003. Their earliest memories of football might be the University of Utah in the 2008 Sugar Bowl. Now that doesn't seem very long to, uh, ago to us. But to someone who's being recruited and someone who is thinking about where they're going to play college football, it helps for them to see BYU in a national light because up to this point, it's been all, all University of Utah, especially in this state. And, and I, think that's an important, I think that's an important thing for BYU. I do think the Logan Fano kid that you're referring to at, at Tempview, I feel like he was a BYU guy no matter what. I mean... If you look into his background, you look into to a lot of different things. I think he was a BYU guy, but I don't think David Nixon's wrong in the sense that this is going to be good for recruiting for BYU. Riley Jensen, college football insider, uh, joining us here on ninety-seven five and twelve eighty, the zone. Uh, how well, um, how well vetted is this year's recruiting class going to be, and how much is this going to be a free-for-all? Coaches are hoping they hit it right, maybe taking smaller classes because they haven't had a chance to evaluate players in a lot of uh, cities and a lot of states uh, on the field this year. Well, I think if, if, you're, if you're to look at what's going on and what I'm seeing, and, and this is just from the outside looking in, right, uh, there's lots of really, really good football players being offered preferred walk-ons right now in the class of 2021. And really the victim of, of COVID-19 right now is this, this class, the senior class. And, you know, a lot of the players in the state of Utah got a chance to play. That helped some of them. I think it helped Jackson Dart tremendously uh, from Cora Canyon High School. 
when he's the only one uh, that they can really look at for like the first three weeks of the season. Then he plays on national TV against Bingham and plays well. But I think for the most part, there's a lot of players that I think are really good football players in the state of Utah that are not being offered Division One, not being offered to Weber State and these schools, uh, you know, in Southern Utah, and they're they're offering them preferred walk-ons. So. What I think is going to be a result of this this class and, and what happens is they're offering them preferred walk-ons that allows them a little bit of an adjustment with their senior class, and then what they can do is they can offer them scholarships later um, if they pan out to be what they thought they were going to be, um, which is a risk because not every kid can afford to do that, not every kid wants to do that, not every kid is going to believe you when you say that that's the plan. But to me, just looking at it, I think there's going to be less offers than there's been in a long time in the class of 2021. And that's not because they're not as good as they've been. Um, and, it, and, and I think you're going to see lots of really cool stories like walk-on from Sandy, Utah, walk-on from Salt Lake City, Utah. Amazing story how he walked on. But it won't be as amazing as we thought because I think some of these coaches were like, hey, listen, we just – here can you come as a preferred walk-on and then you know as soon as you start playing well we're going to get you back on scholarship so will that extend into next year too so the juniors would be affected in the same way that the seniors are now it depends on what happens in the next three months four months um i didn't see what happened on the vote but there was a vote with the NCAA saying uh, that there would be a blackout period through April, right? That hurts next year's class because that that is the time where a lot of these college coaches go to see if a kid passes the eyeball test. So they'll get junior film, they'll look at it, they'll say, God, this guy looks pretty good. I got to get my eyeballs on him, see if, see if he looks the part, see if he moves like we think he moves in person when he's doing his weightlifting class agilities or he's playing on the basketball team they go to observe them and so yeah it could really hurt some kids if if that vote happens and if covid and the vaccine and all the different things that are going on um don't accelerate you know some return to normalcy i don't know that we're ever going back to what we were but some some return to a place where kids can get looked at. I mean, it's such a huge deal to college coaches. I'm not sure that I believe in it, but there's no question that when you talk to a college coach, he has to get his eyes on him. He's not going to offer him without seeing him in person. The Utes lost at Washington. I think to the average fan, they looked better. Certainly the 21-point lead will get fans uh, fired up. But then the second half went all wrong, and there were four more turnovers. Do you see them improving? Do you have a lot of hope for them? Are you uh, face palm to the forehead over all the turnovers, and that trumps everything? What are you thinking? I actually thought they got better last game. And I, and I thought I saw signs that that this team could be that they could evolve into what they want to be. Look, it's not it's not the best product that Utah's put on the field in the last four or five years. But when I look at it, I feel like there's a lot of young talent, and I feel like a lot of the mistakes are young mistakes. So I don't feel like they're – I feel like some of the turnover stuff, I feel like some of the mistakes that are being happened uh, 
that are happening are, are more like, okay, he's young in the program. He's still learning what to do. He's still learning that when he makes a great run and breaks a tackle and gets outside, he's really got to protect the football because that's when people are looking to get the football out of your hands. Um, you know, this guy gets beat here or beats beat there on a, on a pass play because his eyes were in the wrong place. That's a young mistake. But I think this is an extremely athletic team. I think this is a team that in a year or two is going to be right back to where Utah's been for a long time. And I don't, I, I, I just don't feel like there's any need for concern or worry for the University of Utah. In fact, you know, and, and we talked about this on this show a few weeks ago. I, mean, I don't know why you just don't try out a whole bunch of dudes and not worry about this season. Kyle's not going anywhere. He's signed an extension. Make this your spring ball. Make this your, uh, you know, your your opportunity to build as much depth and build as many players as you can, and then really know who you have going into next season. I, I mean, I think there's four bowl games in the Pac-12 that have been canceled now. I mean, what what are, what are you playing for at this point, other than to get ready for next year? In my opinion, and I I don't know that that's the attitude that Kyle will take or the, or the one that he should take, but in some ways, I'm just like. Does this season matter at this point? Does it, does it really matter to a lot of teams? I mean, there, it, it does matter to a few teams. Then there are a few teams that are competing for a national championship or for bowl games that are going to pay a lot of money. But how, mu- how much does it really affect them to, to, to build for next season? And I'm not saying it because you need to throw your hands up in the air like the season's over. I'm just saying you have enough depth and you have enough players that you could just really like put some guys in some difficult situations and see how – see how they respond mentally and physically to these situations. Do you know if Utah has offered this Corner Canyon quarterback? Uh, you're talking about Jackson Dart? Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm, I'm not positive on that. Um, you would think you would think that if they, they were going to offer him, that they were to offer him, you know, so that everybody knows and that everything's, you know, out in the public after – what happened uh, with the last quarterback and Zach Wilson uh, right. and the la- you know with Tuttle and all that kind of you'd hope that the lesson would be learned like hey if you really want a kid you should offer him don't don't keep it on the down low don't do anything like that just offer him and and let the kid that is the one that's willing to compete be the one that stays in your program um, to me that's what I was going to ask you about your thoughts on just offering one quarterback and being married to that one because he won't come if you offer somebody else? You know, it kind of depends on how good you think he is. I mean, clearly in the past, the University of Utah thought that Tuttle was going to be great, and and that hasn't been the case. Um, I just think it's too hard. I think there's so many variables that go into the quarterback position that it's way too hard to just offer one guy and say, like, yeah, you're, yep, we're going to hitch our wagons to you because we know that you're going to be good. I, there's just way too much stuff mentally, physically, emotionally, um, academically that goes into playing that position leadership-wise as a quarterback. But I don't know why you wouldn't want to offer more than one quarterback in every class and see which one has the moxie and isn't scared to compete and says, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Bring it on. You know, you know what I mean? I the the one thing that I get concerned about, and, 
And because I'm associated with my own camp, Mountain West Elite, I'm, I'm part of the problem. So, I, I, so, so this is ironic that I'm saying this, but one of the things that I, that I think is a problem is the quarterback position has kind of been turned into the AAU thing, right, where they're coddled a little bit, they're brought along, they're, they're thought of, like, if you go to this camp or this camp, you're going to have a, you're gonna have an opportunity to get a scholarship to that camp or that camp or to this school or this school. And I just don't like the way that looks. I don't like the way that feels at the quarterback position. You know, even back as far as 22 years ago when I was playing quarterback, I mean, everybody calls a quarterback a prima donna. And I I was always fighting that stigma. I was always fighting that that process of like, hey, I'm here to work. I'm here to work with you guys, to play with you guys. Don't, don't. Don't don't fall for any like preconceived stereotypes that I'm a that I'm a, a prima donna and the and the current situation is ten times worse or twenty times worse than when I played for labeling a quarterback as a prima donna because they really are coddled. I mean, you look at Jake Heaps when he was coming out of high school. He had four Division One wide receivers. Every time he went to a seven on seven camp, he had eight Division One wide receivers playing on his team. He was set up to succeed. Everything was snowplowed. Everything was paved for him to succeed. And I think part of the problem with Jake, and I, I, listen, there's a lot of people out there that know him, and I know that he's a good person. I'm not I'm not going after him personally. But I think that the first time that he felt real adversity was when he was in college, and I thought that was problematic. I do think he was talented. I do think that he had all the skills. But I think putting all these players around a quarterback to make him look good and to make him his him his most the most recruitable possible doesn't always build the moxie and the mental toughness that you need to play that position. It is a tough position. I don't care if you're at a G five school in the middle of Toledo, Ohio, playing quarterback is a position that's criticized and if you don't have that intestinal fortitude to handle it, it, it's, it can get you. It can get you down, it can get you in a bad place, and it can affect your play. How relieved were you to see your Aggies win a game? And are they going to win a second or third one? Air Force and CSU don't appear to be all that. I, 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 listen, I felt good about it as, as, a, as, a, as an alum, as a former quarterback there. You just like to see them win, and and you know there's there's everybody out there like well it's just New Mexico and nobody saw it and you know if a tree falls in the woods does it really happen? Yes, it does, and yes, it matters, and it matters to those kids, and a lot of those guys that are in the program that they they've put a lot of blood and sweat and tears into the program, and they're they're to be commended for winning a Division One football game in a less than desirable situation. That's that's a tough situation to play in. And it's going to be tough for the last two. I think they're going to get one more win. I feel like the enthusiasm and the energy on the team is good. I feel like Frank Miley's done a great job of of running the troops in in a very tough situation. And I think they'll get one more. I, I don't know why. I just it's my gut feeling that they're going to win one of these two. So when they won that game, you saw some of the players uh, run up to Frank as he was crossing the field to go do the post-game deal with uh, Gonzalez and the Mexico coach. How much do you read into that if you're the athletic director? Okay, these guys really like him. They're playing hard for him. But also not get caught up in the immediacy of the moment as far as is that best for the program long term? Well, I think you have to read into it. I think you have to look at that. I think you have to observe that. And I think 
that's certainly part of the puzzle and part of the picture that goes into hiring your next coach. You know, I think in a lot of ways, Frank Miley has a great opportunity to kind of just like, you know, audition for the job. He's the one who has the reins. He can pull the levers. He can do the things that he needs to do to kind of keep the pro keep the program in a, in a respectable place. And if he makes a good enough argument here, he can be the guy that gets hired. But I think there's a whole, there's a whole slew of other things that goes into hiring a new coach. I don't know what those are. I don't know what um, John Hartwell feels like are the most important things, but he's been doing it for a long time and he has very, very capable people on his staff to help him to choose the next coach at Utah State University. And I don't know. I just, I feel good about the program. I don't, I, I, I kind of live by the, the phrase, it's never as bad as it seems and it's never as good as it gets. I just, I don't think it's as bad as everybody thinks it is up there. Riley, we appreciate a few minutes as always, and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. I freaking love your show. Thanks for letting me be on. All right, Riley covered a lot of ground right there with the uh, the recruiting news and then the Utes, the Cougars, and the Aggies. Stay with us. Coming up next, what is trending? All the headlines.